Welcome back to A Voice in the Distance as we are in Leviticus chapter 6 today. In chapter 5 we looked at the the uh, trespass offerings and the message was titled No Trespassing. And so it kind of goes again from one, uh, one deep end to another deep end because we're looking at things of sacrifice here. And and when we think of the word sacrifice for us nowadays, we it's really nothing of a big deal. We make a big deal out of sacrificing something that we just don't want to eat no more. We make a deal of sacrificing something that uh, we're not going to do maybe. And really, is that even much of a sacrifice considering what other people had to sacrifice for the atonement of their sins or to sacrifice um, for something in their lives back, back here in these days of, of Leviticus? And I think of the time when, uh, in Genesis, when Abraham was told to sacrifice his, his son Isaac. And Abraham, being obedient, was about to do so. But could you imagine what really had to have gone through his mind and, and what was going through his heart during that time when he was, when he was told, then I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac unto me. But yet Abraham, being obedient, didn't argue. Abraham went ahead and and knew that God was in control. But for us nowadays too, we take we take sacrifice for granted because let's look at what our Lord and Savior did. Even Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane was was sweating blood because he knew what was coming his way. The the, the stress that was upon him was so great that it caused the blood vessels in his head to break and, and causing him to sweat blood. And, and during that time, he was praying. He was praying that the Father would take that cup from him. What he meant by that is, is, is that the cup of sacrifice, if you will, that, that this was not a cup that, that, uh, that anybody else could basically partake of. But he knew what was coming his way, and he still asked if there was some other way. But there wasn't another way, yet he still did what he had to do. And so, that essential sacrifice of our Lord, that is a concept that only could come by faith. And and we have to look at it as, if it was important to God, then it should be important to us. So when, when I teach the book of Leviticus, when I read the book of Leviticus, I, I really try to put the mindset here to help understand the concept because it's not something that should be taken lightly. We read it nowadays. We read it nowadays with with a different understanding. Oh, that was then. That was, and and this is now. And thank God we don't have to do that. But really, what is sacrifice to you? You could give up eating certain things, and, and, and really, we make such a big deal out of it. But the sacrifice that was required by God was a big deal. He sacrificed his only begotten son. You know, he, he, he told Abraham to, to sacrifice his son, but yet he was stopped. Abraham was going to be obedient, but he was stopped. And, and he was told not to harm the child, not to, not to harm the lad, it said. <laughs> not to harm the young man. Because depending on how old your children are, could you imagine having to go through that? But think about how God spared Abraham. And, and think about how, how, how he went through it himself with Christ Jesus on our behalf. 
So now we can look at this and suddenly that, that love that we've been talking about and, and that love that we sing about, that is what becomes real. And, and so God provided because when Abraham turned his head, there was a ram caught up in the thicket of the bushes. And he said, there's your sacrifice. God provided a lamb for the sacrifice. So, let's take a look at chapter 6 here. As we, uh, we're going to take a look at some other laws here of these things. See, what we had here in, other, uh, in the other chapters was the instructions on how to do these particular sacrifices. But now we're looking at the laws of them, of the what's and why's. So we're looking at an in-depth look of what God's mind and heart uh, was, was exposing to Moses, to the priesthood. So in chapter 6, I'll start off in verse 1 through 6, which says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by lying to his neighbor about what was delivered to him for safekeeping, or about a pledge, or about a robbery, or if he's exhorted from his neighbor, or if he has found what was lost and lies concerning it, and swears falsely in any of these things that a man may do in which he sins. Then it shall be uh, because he has sinned and is guilty, and that he shall restore what he has stolen, or the thing which he has exhorted, extorted, I'm sorry, and what was delivered to him for safekeeping, or the lost thing which he found, or all that about which he has sworn falsely, he shall restore it its full value, and add one-fifth more to it, and give it to whomever, to whomever it belongs on the day of his trespass offering. And he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord, a ram without blemish, from the flock, with your valuation as a trespass offering to the priest. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven for any of the, the, these things that he may have done in which he trespasses. So we see that God has a standard towards theft, uh, especially if it involves his people. See, this is toward anyone really, but but when it is a child of God, he set the standard with the consequences. He made he made a law in Exodus that if a fellow Jew uh, made a loan or took a uh, you know took a loan, it, it was not to be paid back with interest. Paid back, yes, but with interest, no. But now theft theft is a different story. Here we see that it is to be paid back and with interest. So that would, we're looking at about 20% interest, about in the amount of, on the same day as the trespass offering. So there has been a saying with a method over the years that if you want to hurt someone, well go after their pocketbook. Okay, money and possessions are a part of many people's weakness. I want to go back a little bit to the to the Ten Commandments to see why God implemented them for this particular law. God said that you shall not steal. You shall not steal is on there, but but there was other things to such as you shall not covet your neighbor's your neighbor's house or your neighbor's wife. You should not bear false witness against your neighbor. So if you've ever stolen anything before, you know think to yourself, well, why did you do it? Whatever it was that you stole, from whether it was a car to a candy bar, theft is theft. But why did you do it? Well, perhaps the law of not covening can bring light. Because covening is wanting something really bad that you know that you cannot have. 
And in the Hebrew, the coveting is a term of like uh, panting after something, like a dog that goes after something while it's panting. And, and from the thief to the victim, think of what was in your mind in, in thoughts of when you stole or even when you were stolen from. See, this will give a little more insight on why God did what he did. This is good. Even the atheist, the non-believer, the people who have never read the Bible can say amen to this. Yet the source was not Moses, it was God. Moses was strictly the messenger. So when you steal, you have broken another commandment in bearing false witness. I myself have had two cars stolen right off my driveway. I got them back, but they were damaged. Now, the second time that my car was stolen, the culprits were caught. Uh, They were caught by fingerprinting because they were teenagers and they were previous offenders. But you see, the the feeling of of the situation is a feeling of violation. But yet, God is a wonderful example of prevention and perfect in redemption and restoration. You may be forgiven once you have given back what you stole with interest... See, that was in restoration. But the trust in relationship with your neighbor is another story. And that was, this law was given for the sake of prevention. See, God did not want those feelings toward one another. But it is, uh, it is just that when it happens. There is a sense of loss of trust. God will never want that with his people. And even as the thief, he doesn't want you to have to live with that guilt, which is why we see the preventative instructions in the laws given towards theft, whether you're the victim or the cause. Uh, in verse 7 through 13, let's take a look at what that says here. Or 8 to 13. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his son, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be in the hearth, uh, the hearth upon the altar all night until morning. And the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment and his linen trousers. He shall put on his body and take up the ashes of the burnt offering, which the fire has consumed on the altar. And he shall put them beside the altar. And when he shall take off his garments and put on other garments and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn on uh, the wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. Now, I, I may have mentioned before that I'm, a, I think I mentioned before in previous messages, I'm a barbecue lover. And I love to have barbecue. And I love cooking it on a smoker. And the best out there... The best barbecue out there is done low and slow. And it's tedious because you have to tend the fire. And you have to keep the temperature at a certain level if you want it to be flavorful. Now, this was the same. Someone had to tend to the fire because it was to never go out. And, and it was to be burning morning through evening. Now, as we see this in a literal term for a burnt offering, we can also ask ourselves the same question of the burning of the fire in our hearts. See, at this time, there was really no visions or anything said as of what was going on in heaven. But when we were given the book of Revelation, 
we have seen that worship was done there in what we would consider 24-7, okay, day and night. Though there is no night in heaven, it was it, worship is being done 24-7 in our earthly standards. The fire is, is to never go out on the burnt offering, God said. It is never to go out in our lives. Our burning should be offered up to God in our desire, our worship, and our service. Now, this burnt offering sent the aroma to God, and he was pleased. Because we go back to the time of Noah, when Noah, uh, when Noah and his family survived the flood. The first thing he did was Noah performed this, um, this particular uh, burnt offering after the flood. And God was pleased with his offering. So we see the way that it's to be done here, and it's continual. When you look at what you do daily in the form of what you enjoy or your passion, whatever it may be, how often do you do it? And that is for you to look at yourself. See, with some, with some people it's sports. Uh, some that it might be games. Others it's something on a television show, perhaps, you know, as examples here. We put our time and our effort in those things. The, the priest put their time and efforts in these tasks. And whatever the task of the calling, it was their desire in service. When, when we look at worship, when we look at holiness, it is going on in heaven right as we speak. And, and what God is doing is bringing the ways of the culture of heaven down to earth. Our worship and service is a preparation of what it will be like in heaven. But beyond anything that, that anyone could ever fathom. Now, though we do not do these things as modern day Gentiles, we see the example of obedience. We see the examples of worship. And really, it is a model of faithful service. So for us, we see that we are not to let the fire go out in our lives with the Lord. Because we can look at others who did. And, and we can see when the fire goes out. So, and when the fire goes out, so does the light. And when that goes out, the fire goes out, everything turns cold. So for your burnt offering, let the fire in your life continue in service to God as we continue in verse uh, 14 to 23. And now we go into the grain offering. So this is the law of the grain offering. The sons of Aaron shall offer it on the altar before the Lord. He shall take from it its handful of the fine flour of the grain offering with its oil and all the frankincense which is on the grain offering and shall burn it on the altar for a sweet aroma as a memorial to the Lord. And the remainder of it Aaron and his son shall eat. With unleavened bread it shall be eaten in a holy place in the court of the tabernacle of meeting they shall eat it. It shall, it shall not be baked with leaven. I have given it as their portion of my offerings made by fire. It is most holy. Like the sin offering and the trespass offering, all the males among the children of Aaron may eat it. It shall be a statute forever in your generations concerning the offerings made by fire to the Lord. Everyone who touches them must be holy. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This is the offering of Aaron and his sons, which they uh, shall offer to the Lord, beginning on the day when he is anointed. One-tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a daily grain offering, half of it in the morning and half of it at night. It shall be made in a, in a pan with oil when it is mixed. And you shall bring it in. The baked pieces of the grain offering you shall offer for a sweet aroma to the Lord. In the priest from among his sons who is anointed in his place shall offer it as a statute forever to the Lord. It shall be wholly burned 
For every grain offering for the priest shall be wholly burned, it shall not be eaten. So a few, mes- a few messages back, I titled that one a spiritual cakewalk because that was the instructions of the grain offering that involved, that involved no blood uh, sacrifice, but it was simply an offering of thanksgiving uh, for the provisions that God provided in the grain offering. Uh, this is simply the law of that offering versus the instruction on how to prepare it. The, the law of these things had to follow because of utilizing things to another, uh, utilizing these things to another god is what people did. So this is why the laws of these op- uh, offerings happen. When we're in a relationship with someone, we want to know what to do or not to do in regards to making one happy or making them angry. We can truly relate to this outside of the actual ritual because when you care about them, people will go to every extent to make sure they're right with them. So how much more than God, right? How much more should we do that with God? I See, I feel the need to repeat myself in this because this is beyond just reading some laws and instructions. This seems to no longer interest people because of that was then, this is now, but, but this is now and will always be now. And what I mean by that is reverence, obedience, love, worship is what this is all about and, and doing it correctly in the process. If someone is allergic to particular flowers, uh, say like roses, and you bring them roses, what would the outcome be? Especially when you knew they didn't want, you know, that they didn't want that. God was also blessing the people. He was blessing the priesthood through this because they, as usual, they got a portion in this case, a portion of the grain too. But there was a particular grain to be used. And this particular grain was to be, uh, there was a way to burn the grain. So why does that matter? Why does that matter? See, some may think, what does that have to do with me, a modern day Gentile? Because this was not to be eaten, but it was simply meant for the ceremony of the priest. It was burned in wholeness, okay? For this one, for this one other grain could be eaten. Some things are for God that we cannot touch. I've never gone to a birthday celebration and seen gifts and cake given to another guest at the party. See, that would be an insult. That would be an insult at its worst. And the same is that when certain things are done outside of God's order and instruction. See, I don't want to know what God says and then do something else because I don't agree with it. Or I don't like it. See, people follow the laws of the land. We don't question it. Well, most don't at least, but uh, but nonetheless, they, many don't question it. See, we can see that simply following the ways of God is a blessing. It's a blessing to Him and His name, and it becomes a blessing to us. Because God made that known from the beginning of time when He addressed Cain. When Cain decided to give an offering to God on what he wanted to give God, because God said something that stands true to this day. When when Cain was upset about the fact that God did not want or accept Cain's, you know, sacrifice of, of his produce, if you will, God said something that stands true to this day. God told Cain, why, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? He said, if, if you do well, then will you not be accepted? 
But if you do not do well, sin lies at your door and its desires for you. And you should rule over it. That's from the words of God himself to Cain. And how true is that, especially with a, a perfect and holy and merciful God, right? That's the God that we're talking about right now to the same God that we're reading about and the same God we worship today. So, again, it's important just to know what makes God happy, what makes God, uh, the, the things that God wants. Now, granted, I'm thankful we don't have to do these things anymore, but I still want to know everything about him. Because it's, it's a bridge. It's a bridge, if you will. So let's see, 24 to 30. And it says, this is the law of the sin offering. And it says, also the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, this is the law of the sin offering. In the place where the burnt offering is killed, the sin offering shall be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. The priest who offers it for sin shall eat it in a holy place. It shall be eaten in the court of the tabernacle of meeting. Everyone who touches its flesh must be holy. And when its blood is sprinkled on any garment, you shall wash that in what was, is sprinkled in a holy place. But the earthen vessel in which it is boiled shall be broken. And if it is boiled in a bronze pot, it shall be both uh, scoured and rinsed in water. All the males among the priests may eat it. It is most holy. But no sin offering from which any of the blood is brought into, a tab into the tabernacle of meeting to make atonement in the holy place shall be eaten. It shall be burned in the fire. So now the sin offering was also to be given to the priest as a portion to be eaten. Now, the interesting part of this was the portions, because in the belief of the sin offering, it was that anything that touched the sin offering was to be cleansed in a special manner. The sacrifice itself was not to be infected or touched, because the outlook was in a, it was in a spiritual sense. Now, the sacrifice that was used for the nations... Uh, the, the sin offering that was sacrificed for the nations, they did that on behalf of the nation as well, uh, as well, because that could not be eaten at all. The whole thing had to be burned up. So that was, say, for like a sacrifice under the nation of Israel. But now here is the question for the ages. Everyone had to sacrifice. And I, I was thinking to myself that, that whoever bred livestock for a living in these days probably did quite well financially because he, here's the thing. Where was the heart? Here's the thing that, that made me think. Where was the heart during the time of this? Was there remorse? Was, was there concern? Was there repentance? Now, we can try to understand the sacrificial system. We could try to understand it all we can, but what was the depth of the meaning? See, unfortunately, during studies and teachings in Leviticus, we want to get through this stuff, but do we ever question what was in the minds and the hearts of the people? See, we today, we repent. And when it's done in truth, it is known. There is no sacrifice that can atone. There is no work that can be done to make up for something vile or heinous. Because brokenness can be the greatest thing that can happen to some because now you are ready for restoration. Sacrifice was a payment system that, that got you out, of, uh, out for the time, okay? But true forgiveness from a contrite heart is what, is what is really looked for by God. Now, as Christ was on the cross taking the sins of the world upon himself, 
still in front of that hostile audience who was cheering on his death, the Lord himself out loud said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. See, that opportunity is for you and for me right here and right now. And the greatest part is that you will not have to keep doing something to obtain your place in heaven with the Lord. Because on the cross, in front of everyone, there was a thief next to the Lord. There was two thieves next to the Lord, and they were both messing with him while they were on the cross. They were both antagonizing him and, and, and saying, Hey, if you're really who you, who you say you are, get us down from here. But one of them... One of them came up and said, you know what? We deserve to be up here, but he doesn't. And what he said is what always stuck with me. He said, Father, Lord, will you remember me when you enter your kingdom? And Jesus graciously said, assuredly, today you will be with me today in, in paradise. See, he will have you if you will have him. It's in his word, and this is the best part of what is done, the introduction to the Savior of the world, Christ Jesus. That is part of the best thing of what I get to do, the best for last. I, I love teaching the word of God. I love equipping people. I love going through it and, and growing through it, you know, and and uh, and helping others through it. But if you don't receive the Lord, then all you're doing is reading uh, reading something. Why not receive him to really get a true grasp of, of salvation? Again, he will have you. He will have you. If you will have him. It's in his word. He loves you. He wants you. He died for you. He, he just wants a relationship with you. And, and this is a wonderful opportunity. If you are willing to accept... I could lead you into a prayer to receive him now. And, and by reading the book of Leviticus, we should be able to say, thank you, Lord, for what you did. <laughs> thank you, Lord, that, that this was done. That we have, a, we have a new way to be forgiven. The old way is no more. By your gracious hands that were pierced for us on the cross, we get to be with him but we have to receive him that is the key so I want to give you the opportunity right now as always if you feel led because the Lord never the Lord never forces you to want to receive him or he never forces you into heaven that is a choice that you have to make that the Holy Spirit will guide you on so if you feel led there if you feel that this is this is your time I say take it seriously. Let's together, let's say this prayer and say it after me by receiving Christ in your heart as Lord and Savior, the Son of God who died for the sins of this world. So repeat after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins as I confess to you that I am a sinner. And Lord, I thank you for dying on the cross, Lord. And I ask, Lord, that you will receive me right now, Lord, as I receive you as my, my Lord. I, re I receive you as my Savior, my Father. And I ask of you to cleanse me of all of my sins, Lord. I thank you again, Lord, for having me. 
I thank you for dying for me, Lord. I thank you for saving me. As I receive you in my heart right now as my Lord and my Savior. For Father, I love you. I praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, again, the, Lord, the Lord's been wanting you for a long time. If you're a first-time listener... Each chapter is a, is a new chapter, a new day, and, and each day is a new day. So I want to, again, welcome you into the family, into the kingdom of God, and, and know that, 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 again, he's going to continue to be watching over you. And now he's going to be able to speak to you because you're a part of him. So take this time and grow and, and, and take the time to go through His Word and, and, and spend that time in prayer. Spend that time fellowshipping with people to help equip you as well. Because we're a big family nowadays because Christ is still living and active. And we're finding out more and more that there are so many others out there that, that He has adopted. So may we take this time to be thankful and then we take this time just to uh, to reflect and to receive. So may God bless you and your family and keep you always. God bless you.